Well, it's Tuesday, so it's good to be back with you, Mona. How are you? I am fine. How are you, Charlie? Good to see you. Well, we're in that sort of limbo land waiting for the votes from New Hampshire. I mean, there's a certain amount of suspense because you never really know. On the other hand, I don't think there's a lot of suspense how this whole thing plays out, is there? No. I mean, admittedly, New Hampshire could surprise people, could be really close. Mm -hmm. It could be that Trump romps. It could be that Haley actually wins. I mean, we really don't know. But I think we do know, as you were hinting, that uh, even if there's a very close outcome in New Hampshire or, or Haley even wins New Hampshire, it's impossible to see how she translates that into a great surge of momentum, thereby making this a real race for the nomination. Because, you know, Nevada is gone, and the very next time that she would have an opportunity to confront him is her home state. In a normal year, you'd say, great, you know, advantage Haley. No, the southern states are as rock solid for Trump as you can get. And so, you know, she loses in her home state, and then that's that. Yeah, that's that. I mean, and, and she has an advantage, you know, to the extent there's any advantage in New Hampshire because you can have unaffiliated voters who come and vote in the Republican primary, Democratic voters. Right. That's not going to be the case in the upcoming ones. And and again, there's there's no, no. polling that would suggest that even a bounce out of New Hampshire is going to change that particular dynamic for her. I mean, you know, you lose South Carolina. What happens the next day? She has to drop out. Yeah. Is any doubt in your mind, though, that she'll that she'll endorse Trump, though? I don't have too much doubt. I don't have too much doubt. But two things just more to say about Haley um, before we go on to other things. One is that it isn't as if there is the argument that, well, you know, Republican primary voters need to be smart here because Trump can't win a general election. I mean, Republican primary voters have said, hey, you know, all the polls show him doing very well against Biden. So they don't have to believe that that he's vulnerable in a general election, which, by the way, I think he is, but that's another matter. And the other thing is that even in Iowa, you saw that people who were planning to vote for Haley had incredibly low enthusiasm levels. And the people who were planning to vote for Trump had high enthusiasm, which tells you a lot. I mean, the fact is there are people who are willing to park their vote for her as a way of saying, I'm not voting for Trump. But there isn't this sort of groundswell enthusiasm for her. And she's given people no reason to have enthusiasm for her. You know, she her, her big arguments are they're too old. She's too milk toast. Yeah. I mean, they're too old and we need a new generation. And, you know, and I happen to think a lot of her policy positions are pretty good. I like her abortion position where she says, you know, we need to be realistic and we can't, you know, keep beating our heads against a brick wall. You know, let's agree on promoting adoption and limiting, you know, late term abortions, etc. But all that having been said, the mood in the Republican electorate is just not for her. It's just not. And so I cannot see how, you know, somebody who strikes most Republican voters as more of the establishment, more of a so-called typical politician is going to gender enthusiasm. Don't see it. 
And I think that enthusiasm, you know, gap, you know, cannot be overstated here. She did wait until the end to actually begin throwing the kind of punches that might have generated some enthusiasm. But maybe all she accomplished was she did enough to really antagonize the MAGA base without really giving people a reason to turn out in the cold and the sleet and everything. But but we will see what happens here. But I don't know about you, but I was listening to one of her speeches the other day and I thought, you know, this is the perfect tone perfect speech to give to a Republican audience in 2015, but not anymore. And I think that we're about to have this massive shift in in the election and in our punditry, because we're going to be shifting off of the Republican primary into the general election. And half of me is like, okay, I'm glad that we're not going to be doing the wish casting and hoping for, you know, something that's not going to happen with a Republican electorate. On the other hand, i I have said to some of our Democratic uh, colleagues, uh, be careful what you wish for about having Donald Trump as the nominee, because there's a reason why prudent people do not play Russian roulette. And there's a reason why prudent democracies do not have a 50-50 chance about whether a demented criminal is going to be elected to the presidency. But one of the things, Mona, that I think is going to be pretty obvious, if not tonight, then within the next week is that the kind of conservatism that Nikki is kind of trying to poke and stir is really gone. I mean, it, it, it almost feels like, like old news to say that this primary just drove a stake through the party of Reagan. I mean, the party of Reagan, the party of Bush, the party of Gerald Ford, the party of Dwight Eisenhower, the party of Mitt Romney. I mean, it's not just a style of politics, but it's also almost the entire conservative intellectual tradition has been completely scrapped here. I mean, I wrote how the right lost its mind, but I have to tell you, I didn't realize that it was going to be as thoroughgoing or as comprehensive and maybe as permanent. So what do you, what what do you think? Where do we go now? What happens? Yeah, I've been thinking about this uh, because there have been all of these pre-obituaries written, you know, for Republican conservatism. I don't want to like have a big war about nomenclature. I stopped calling myself a conservative a long time ago because I know in the public mind it's now associated with Trumpism. And everybody says, you know, Ron DeSantis tried to get to the right of Trump, which I'm comfortable with, but not when they say he was more conservative. Because for me, anyway, one of the things about being a conservative was that you were cautious about using state power. You recognized that, you know, it's illegitimate to overstep the bounds of a government authority. You're skeptical of state power. And so DeSantis threw that out the window. Of course, Trump threw it out the window. And the whole party is. So we no longer have a conservative party, at least as you and I understood it. And a lot of other people understood it for decades. You can go down the list. So I just mentioned one, which is, you know, wanting to constrain government power within reasonable limits, you know, believing in opposition to strong men and dictators around the world and being on the side of fellow democracies, believing in American world leadership and in our alliances. We watched as Trump would absolutely fawn over dictators and then go to NATO meetings and engage in disgusting 
disrespectful behavior toward our allies. And that is the opposite of what we understood conservatism to be. Another example, school choice and high standards in education. Remember school choice? School choice was a big deal. The Wall Street Journal editorial Mm -hmm. board Mm -hmm. still thinks it's a big deal. They thought that, well, that's not worth going into. But, you know, we believed that the public schools were failing the most vulnerable kids and that something had to be done because generation after generation of like black and brown and other disadvantaged kids were being disserved by a system that didn't give them the proper leg up in society. And so we wanted reform. We wanted change. We wanted, you know, school choice. You wrote about this. I yeah, mean, sure. you, I'm sure you must have talked about it endlessly on your on yeah, your radio show. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a big part of our self-concept was that the left was on the side of the teachers' unions and the status quo, and we were the insurgents. Um, who really wanted to do something. The reformers. The reformers. The reformers who wanted to do something for those kids. And there there have been some breakthroughs. There have been some things that have... There are still Republicans around the country that are are advocating for school choice at the state level, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean that's that that has not completely been abandoned at this point. It hasn't, and there are places where it's it's sort of become a new thing, which is more charter schools that are funded from the public school system, but are allowed to have a little bit more autonomy. Well, could I could I just mention what what on the issue of education? I mean, it is interesting how education has completely vanished from the national debate, except for the culture war aspects and the banning of books and things like that. But in terms of there's this the giant elephant in the room is the is is the fact that we still have dumbed down educational system. Our kids are still not learning what they need to be learning. The test scores are abysmal. The international comparisons are or should be a national scandal. I mean, there have been various times in American history where every once in a while we wake up late 1950s. Oh my God, you know, Russians have launched Sputnik. We need to fix our educational system. You know, the 60s, you know, this rising tide of mediocrity or whatever mixed metaphor they used back then. You had this commitment. I mean, this has happened periodically, but it's like there's all of this attention. You know, people t- will talk about education, but they don't talk about excellence in education. They don't talk about standards in education. It's just among the many things that have fallen into neglect while we wage these other fights, and which we're going to w- probably be waging for quite some time now. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. <laughs> 